Hi, welcome back to my podcast, Gen Z Generalized. This is your host, Chloe Gerhardt, and for today's episode, I'm going to be focusing on laws that have certain minimum ages, so like drinking, smoking, and vaping, stuff like that, because I think it's important to understand the medical, historical, and political reasons for these laws in order to properly follow them and maybe even repeal them if necessary. So the first minimum age law is something that has come up very recently, and it is the tobacco law, and that also deals with vaping. So first, I kind of want to give a little history on tobacco and kind of on vaping, but it's kind of hard since that is more of a recent thing that's been happening lately. So everyone really knows that tobacco and smoking cigarettes used to be viewed as like really healthy. So one physician wrote in 1718, that it could help cure toothaches and tumors, and it can also beautify your skin, which is kind of like a cure-all thing, which is how a lot of medicines like cocaine and other drugs were back then because they didn't really know much about them. So most of our grandparents, or at least most of my grandparents, smoked whenever they were younger because it wasn't seen as a bad thing. It was seen as a healthy thing. In fact, cigarettes were rationed to soldiers in both world wars. It was part of their rations along with their meals and everything. So you could see how society kind of accepted cigarettes and smoking as a normal thing to do. And it wasn't until recently that we kind of discovered that smoking causes all different types of cancer and medical problems. So because of the medical problems we discovered tobacco and smoking and everything like that causes, the Real Cost Campaign Against Tobacco and Vaping was started in 2014. So most of us have probably seen the ads on YouTube, like The Real Cost, and it's like some weird ads that are trying to get you to stay away from smoking and vaping, and they're kind of effective, I think, because they really make me uncomfortable. (laughs) So in March of 2018, the FDA issued an advance notice of proposed rulemaking which states that a product should lower its standard of nicotine levels to minimal or non-addictive levels. So they're kind of trying to combat nicotine involved with smoking because one main reason that people are experiencing all these medical problems is because they're addicted to the cigarettes and the tobacco because of the nicotine in it. So actually, all the way back in March of 2015, a report from the National Academy of Medicine said that A Tobacco 21 law, so raising the minimum age to buy tobacco and tobacco-related products such as vapes, could prevent up to 223,000 deaths among people born between 2000 and 2019. So that's a big deal because a lot of that is Gen Z, so it could prevent 223,000 deaths in Gen Z because tobacco age would be raised to 21, so high schoolers would no longer be able to obtain harmful substances such as vapes and e-cigarettes and cigarettes too. So that was all the way back in 2015. So now the House and the Senate this past year in 2019 now passed a provision that would ban the sale of tobacco and e-cigarettes to anyone under 21, which I think is a huge, huge deal because that means no high schooler, unless they failed a bunch of grades, will be able to get their hands on any tobacco or vape product legally. So that means not only will no high schoolers be vaping legally, that means less will be vaping illegally. Because then if 
an 18-year-old senior buys a vape and then they give it to their 16-year-old friend. Like, that won't happen anymore because neither the 18-year-old or the 16-year-old can legally buy it. So I really, really think this is such a great deal. And this is, they did it because they've been pressured because of all the medical re reasons that a bunch of teenagers have been going to hospitals for, such as popcorn lung and stuff related to vaping. I personally think vaping is a much bigger deal than cigarettes currently, just because vaping is kind of targeted at younger people. But now that no teenager can legally buy a vape product or a jewel or whatever, the companies are going to kind of have to change their marketing strategies and they won't be able to directly target teens as much because it will be illegal for them to buy them. So it's not going to be a teen-related thing anymore. Sure, they'll still have the weird flavors, but like it's not going to be directly targeted at very young kids. So actually, before the House and the Senate stepped in and made this provision to raise the minimum age for buying tobacco and e-cigarettes to 21, 19 states and more than 500 cities and towns had already raised the age to 21, according to the CDC. So that says, like, a big deal. Like, not that many states, like, less than half had already raised the minimum age. So I think this, this is a big deal to raise the age because, like I said before, no high schooler can legally obtain vapes or cigarettes. And that's, that's going to prevent so many deaths and so many serious illnesses. So some people may not see vaping as a really big deal because they're like, it's healthier when compared to cigarettes. But I really feel that vaping is more targeted towards teens. And so that's why it's much more unsafe because teens really don't have a fully developed brain and they can get addicted to things super, super easily. So actually some vapes and e-cigarette products were found to have known carcinogens and toxic chemicals within their vapor, as well as like some metals such as cadmium. So these things go into your lungs whenever you vape, and that can cause so many different illnesses. And actually, teens are seven times more likely to start smoking cigarettes, like real cigarettes, like tobacco cigarettes, the ones our grandparents smoked. They're seven times more likely to start smoking cigarettes approximately six months after they begin to vape. So you may think like, hey, vaping is good because it helps people stop smoking but actually can help people start smoking because they kind of get, you know, used to like the weird bubblegum green apple flavors of the vapes and they want something stronger and they want something more addictive. So it's kind of not a good thing to have this aimed at young teens because then it could get them addicted for the rest of their lives. And so how teens get addicted is because the nicotine in the e-liquids used for vape is absorbed from the lungs and it goes into the bloodstream when a person vapes. And then it releases dopamine in the brain, which causes like good feelings and good vibes, you know, and then which that can cause an addiction because you feel so good after it, even though your body doesn't feel good, your brain says you feel good. So it's kind of like they're not really going together because it's really bad for you, but your body thinks it's good for you because it makes you happy. So basically to wrap this little section up, I'm saying that it's such a good thing that our government has raised the minimum tobacco and e-cigarette vaping age to 21 because it just prevents so much more bad things from happening. I'm really happy about it. So I really understand why this certain age is set to where it is. I think it's a really good thing. So that's kind of a brief history, science, and political reasons for why 
the vaping and tobacco age is now 21. Okay, so the second thing that I wanted to talk about in terms of minimum ages and laws is the drinking age, which we all know has been 21 for, well, at least my life. I don't know about everyone who's listening, but it's been 21 for quite a while. So first thing, I just want to talk about a brief history of drinking. So like everybody knows about prohibition. And so after the 21st Amendment, which was the Prohibition Amendment, was repealed in 1933, the states were given the freedom to choose their own drinking laws, such as the minimum drinking age. So most of that was 21, which was considered the legal adult age because the voting age was still also 21 at the time. And some of them were lower for like lower strength alcohol, but overall the minimum was 21, some of it was 18 sometimes, but those were pretty much the only two ages at first. So then with the Vietnam era, minimum drinking ages began to fall to around 18 because they were beginning to be drafted in the military. So they figured, you know, why not have a drink? And only 14 states of our 50 states retained the minimum age drinking law for 21. And the other states, it was all like 18, 19, some of them were 20, but a lot of them were 18. So basically the minimum drinking age varied from state to state and you could cross state lines and buy different alcohol. Like I remember my teachers and my parents and my grandparents all say like, we used to cross the border to go to this different state to get alcohol because we can't get alcohol in our state, but we're like 15 minutes from another state. So why not go there? So basically it was a whole big mess because there was no like overall federal minimum age. It was just kind of the states decided. And so kids kind of went to wherever the lowest minimum drinking age was. So a major change happened on April 14th in 1982 when President Ronald Reagan established the Presidential Commission Against Drunk Driving. And this kind of gave 39 recommendations to kind of eliminate and lessen what was perceived to be like a big drunk driving epidemic. And then later he signed the National Minimum Drinking Age Act that raised the national drinking age to 21 in 1984. And then there's some exceptions to this, such as drinking in religious ceremonies like communion if you're Catholic or being prescribed alcohol by a doctor for medical reasons. So as you can imagine, this minimum drinking age of 21 that Reagan tried to put into place along with Congress did not go over well in some of the states because they felt it was their right, but they kind of used this um, blackmailing sort of thing, I guess you can call it. That sounds kind of sketchy, but it's really not sketchy. It was that the government would take away a portion of their federal aid highway construction funding if they didn't raise the minimum age to 21. So in response to that, all of them raised their minimum drinking age to 21 by 1988. So why originally President Reagan was kind of pressured into doing this was because of drunk driving. So these, the group Mothers Against Drunk Driving were really kind of pushing the government to do something about the minimum drinking laws because they felt that that kind of really heavily contributed to drunk driving, with I, which I kind of agree with because, you know, young kids, they're in a car, they've only been driving for like one to two years and then they're also drinking when they're that young and that can kind of contribute to some really bad accidents and really bad things happening since they're not of a sound mind and they don't have a lot of experience driving. So that was kind of the political and social reasons why the drinking age was raised to 21 back in 1984 
but then I'm going to get into some more scientific reasons, reasons for like death and suicide and things like that, that scientists find can be related to underage drinking. As I said before, one of the social reasons that Reagan decided to raise the federal minimum drinking age was because of the Mothers Against Drunk Driving group. So they actually had some validity behind their claim because drinking below the age of 21 is like strongly, strongly associated with alcohol-impaired driving. So in 2015, the Youth Risk Behavior Survey found that among high school students, during the past 30 days, 8% drove after drinking alcohol and 20% rode with a driver who had been drinking alcohol. So that's pretty high numbers because that's a big, big risk for a lot of those kids. And it's such a good thing that we raise the age because then it, there's a less of a chance for someone to be driving drunk or be driving with someone drunk. And actually, overall, the CDC reports that underage drinking is responsible for more than 4,300 deaths among individuals a year. So that's a pretty big number considering those are all young people. And actually, more than 90% of teens who drink alcohol are binge drinkers, but most of them don't even realize it because typical symptoms of alcohol affect teens at a lower rate than adults, which allows them to achieve higher blood levels of alcohol. So like they get less sleepy, they don't have as much of loss of motor control. So it's kind of hard to determine how drunk you really are as a teen, unless you're like absolutely passed out or whatever, but it doesn't affect teens as much. So they don't realize how much alcohol they've drank. Even though they're not affected by the symptoms of typical alcohol consumption when they are drinking alcohol, teens are more likely to become dependent on alcohol later in life if they start drinking when they're younger. And they also can have more memory problems when they're older due to drinking alcohol at such a young age. So even though drinking is clearly bad, I don't think it's as bad as like vaping and smoking and stuff because some alcohol can actually be good for you. It's good in moderation as long as you don't have too much, whereas smoking and vaping is bad even if you just do it one time because you can get addicted to it. And I mean, I know you can get addicted to alcohol too, but it's less likely since it doesn't contain any chemicals that would make you addicted to it. So for this law being 21, I'm okay with it. I'm not like super happy about it, but I understand it because then also it lowers the teen drunk driving rate, which I think is a really good thing because I'm really, really passionate about people like not being distracted by anything that they're driving, especially if their mind isn't in the right place because of alcohol. So, and it's also good because then younger kids can't get alcohol as easy if other teenagers, like if it was 18, then like seeing some seniors could obtain alcohol, so it would be easier for younger kids to obtain alcohol. So I see the purpose behind this law being 21, but I don't think it's as big of a deal for being 21 as tobacco and vaping and stuff like that. And then lastly, I just kind of wanted to brush on two little subjects that kind of go together, and those are the draft laws and the voting laws. So I kind of talked about both of them in my previous episode, but I think it's really important to talk about them again in a little bit more detail and focus more on the history and reasoning behind it rather than encouraging young people to vote, which you should definitely do, by the way. <laughs> First off, let's kind of get into the little history about the draft and the Selective Service. So the Selective Service Act was signed by President Woodrow Wilson 
1917 to create the Selective Service System, which would manage the induction of some 2.8 million men into the armed forces over the next two years. And so this was originally only from ages 21 to 30, and then later in 1951, it was reauthorized to be lowered from 21 to 30 to 18 to 26. So currently that's what it's at. And then men at their 18th birthday must register within 30 days, even during peacetime. So there is a possible change in the future for the way our country does the draft, and that is women being drafted. So according to Military.com, support for women registering for the system gained steam after the Defense Department abolished all restrictions on women serving in combat positions in 2013. So, and then the Defense Department officials told Congress that they definitely support preserving the selective system and welcome the inclusion of women. So, and then in their report to Congress, they argued that a future draft would likely focus on highly technical skills that are in sh short supply rather than just in general people being involved, but that still means that women can be involved, like highly skilled women in the military and fighting and math and sciences and things like that. So personally, I would be totally for women being in the draft. I'm kind of a feminist, I guess, but I would definitely support women being in the draft because I think that's what we want. We want equality. It wouldn't be fair just for to send the men off to fight. And so I really am supportive of this, even though there's like, you know, the looming threat of World War Three or whatever going on right now. I know you've all seen the memes, but I really kind of agree with this, and I hope it happens soon, but I hope it's not kind of a really big deal going on. And so, of course, next I'm going to be talking about voting, which I talked about in my previous podcast, but like I said before, I think it's really important to mention it again. So the 26th Amendment lowered the voting age to 18, and I think that's a really, really important thing because then younger people get more of a say, and so the original reason that this was lowered is because 18-year-olds were old enough to be drafted, but not old enough to vote in federal elections. And many previous presidents had supported lowering it. Uh, Eisenhower even said that for years, our citizens between the ages of 18 and 21 have in time of peril been summoned to fight for America. They should participate in the political process that produces this fateful summons in 1954. So before the age was lowered, a lot of people supported it. But I really think that it was a big deal like uh, during the Vietnam War and that's why it was lowered unanimously by all the states in 1971 and it only took 100 days to be ratified which is like the shortest amount of time for any amendment so those two kind of go together and I think they're really important because it kind of gives us more rights it doesn't take rights away like the tobacco and drinking laws it kind of helps us in a way well, that's basically it for this episode of Gen Z Generalize. I have a few ideas for what I want to do next, but I think that this is pretty important to talk about and to understand in order to really understand our rights as young people and why they are given or taken from us. So I hope you continue to listen, and hopefully I'll be posting another episode in like two weeks or so.